This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Duffy's Tavern was an American radio situation comedy that ran for a decade on several networks. The program often featured celebrity guest stars, but always hooked them around the misadventures, get-rich-quick schemes, and romantic missteps of the title establishment's metaphor-mixing manager, Archie, portrayed by Ed Gardner, the writer-actor who co-created the series. In the familiar opening, When Irish Eyes Are Smiling, performed either solo or on an old-sounding piano, or by a larger orchestra, is interrupted by the ring of a telephone. Now, owner Duffy was never heard nor seen either on the radio program or in the 1945 film adaptation or the short-lived 1954 TV series. Archie constantly bantered with Duffy's crazy man uh, daughter, uh, that is, man-crazy daughter, Miss Duffy, played by several actresses, beginning with Gardner's real-life first wife, Shirley Booth, followed by Florence Halep and later by actress Hazel Schermett. Tonight, Miss Duffy has a pivotal part in the show as she angles to meet and romance renowned actor Charles Coburn. Unfortunately, the credits don't reveal which actress played her part in tonight's show, but I think you'll get a kick out of tonight's show. And here we go with Duffy's Tavern with special guest star Charles Coburn. Myers, makers of Ipana toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair, bring you transcribed Duffy's Tavern with our guest tonight, Charles Colbert, and starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hello, Duffy's Tavern, where the elite meet to eat. Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Tonight, uh, Charles Coburn. Charles Coburn. Now, Duffy, don't hang up. All right, so one week it ain't a dame. <laughs> huh? You never heard of Coburn? Duffy, I'm surprised. The, the uh, gentleman's histrionic talents have made him one of the foremost exponents of Thespis. Yes, he's a ham. <laughs> yeah, been in show business for years. How old is he? Well, uh, let me put it this way. He's old enough to know what it's all about, but uh, he ain't young enough to do nothing about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A lot like Jolson. <laughs> Except if Coburn ever got down on one knee, he'd never get up again. <laughs> huh? How's business here? Well, uh, we're running ahead of yesterday. Yeah, we was closed yesterday. 
Well, you know something, Duff? You know what would help business here? A, 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 a doorman, you know, a good front man. Huh? Well, when a customer comes into place, what's the first thing he thinks about? Right. About leaving. <laughs> so we got to have a front man to block the door, and uh, this Coburn is a natural for the job. <laughs> yeah. You ought to see the front the guy puts up. <laughs> His uh, duties, uh, well, we'd expect him to go up to the customers, you know, and inquire, for instance, how they like the food here. Duffy, who's going to hit a guy his age? <laughs> well, look, I'm busy now. I'll call you back. But, Duffy, me and Eddie is right in the middle of some very important business. Okay. Okay, Eddie, deal out the cards. <laughs> Okay, Miss Archie. Boy, that's a wonderful game, you know? What'd you say the name of it? It's called Jim Rummy. <laughs> it's named after that famous gambler, Diamond Jim. You know? <laughs> Diamond Jim, huh? I-, I thought this game was called Gin Rummy. You're thinking of Eli Whitney. <laughs> sure, he invented the cotton gym. <laughs> I'm sorry, a great game. Yeah. Very educational. See? Yeah. How much do you owe me so far? <laughs> See, now, you, you gym me four times, 3,000 points, times it by seven is 21,000. 21,000 plus 10,000 for boxes is 32,000. Uh, multiplied by four. It's an even dollar. <laughs> Give me the buck. Okay, here's the buck. Now, uh, lend me the loan of the buck back. Nothing doing. That's bad luck. I ain't gonna lend you no money. You won't lend me a lousy buck? That's a fine attitude. Suppose other people felt that way. Suppose Isabella hadn't lent Columbus some money. Do you realize the world would still be flat? (laughs) Eddie, I'm surprised at you. Uh, this Charles Coburn who's coming down here tonight. What about him? Well, why don't you ever have anyone like Robert Taylor or Tyrone Power to meet me? Tyrone Power? <laughs> Look, Miss Duffy, when a guy's got a Philly Mignon at home, he don't go out to eat hash. <laughs> I might further mention that to get guys like Tyrone Power down here, we'd have to induce them with a little sex appeal. <laughs> sex appeal? What is it? Nothing but sheer, plain animal attraction. Animal attraction? Look, have you ever been to the burlesque? Yeah. Ever see crowds like that at the zoo? (laughs) (laughs) Incidentally, how old is Mr. Coburn? What's it to you? Well, in case he happens to find me irresistible. (laughs) Look, Miss Duffy, the guy may have gray hair, but his opticals are still good. (laughs) Now, Peter, will you? I, uh, wish to be alone. Uh, all right. My wish has been granted. What's <laughs> the matter with you, Finnegan? You look a little tired. Oh, yeah. I couldn't sleep a wink last night. Couldn't sleep, huh? Did you try counting sheep? Yep. Counted up to 864. Man, still couldn't get to sleep? No, oh, the room got so stuffy, I had to get up and open the window. How come? I made a mistake. Instead of sheep, I was counting goats. 
Another thing that kept me awake was a loud party going on upstairs. Well, uh, why didn't you go upstairs and tell them to shut up? Uh, well, as it turned out, I didn't have to. You see, the ceiling in my apartment ain't too strong. So? So the next thing I know, I'm dancing with a tall blonde. <laughs> you mean the party dropped in on you and uh, carried on in your apartment? Well, not exactly. What do you mean, not exactly? Well, as you know, the floor in my apartment ain't too strong, neither. <laughs> So you dropped in on the people downstairs? Yeah. How long did this party last? Clear through to the basement. <laughs> you, you know them penthouse parties, Arch. They go on for a long time. So, as I say, I didn't get a wink of sleep. Well, what'd you do all night? Played solitaire with me brother. Solitaire with your brother? Two of you's playing solitaire? What else could we play? We only had one deck of cards. <laughs> oh, so you played cards, Yeah. Huh? I didn't know you was a card player. Oh, I'm very good at it, Art. Maybe we can get up a little game. Okay. All right, we'll play dealer's choice. Uh, what game do you like? Flipping them into a hat. <laughs> Boy, that's a wonderful card game. <laughs> and it's better card game than it is a joke. You know? <laughs> Flipping them into a hat. Huh? I thought that was very funny. Flipping them into a hat. Huh? Yeah, I thought you too. Uh, uh, look, uh, uh, how would you like to play a little rummy? Little rummy? Why not? I'll play anybody. <laughs> then again, I mean Jim Rummy. Oh, 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 Jim uh, Rummy. new card game. Uh, how do you play? I'll show you. You got any money? Well, I got half a buck. In that case, I think I can teach you the game. <laughs> well, thanks, Dutch. And I think you'll find that I learn very fast. Well, if you learn very fast, how come you don't know nothing? Oh, easy come, easy go. <laughs> well, I'm you feel that way, Finnegan. Now, put up to 50 cents. Okay. All right. Now, card for you, card for me. Miss Arthur, uh, how can you do it? It'll be a lesson, Tom Eddie. It'll teach him not to gamble. <laughs> hello, Arch. Oh, hello, Joe. Did you finish your broadcast already? Yeah, and boy, if I have to work with that comedian one more week, I'll blow my top. Why, what's the matter? He got so many laughs tonight, I had to cut the commercial. This is bad? <laughs> Well, certainly it's bad. It was awful. Because I never got a chance to say that Ipana toothpaste is the toothpaste more dentists use themselves, as well as recommend to their patients, than any other. You ought to try the Ipana way yourself. It's easy. First, between regular visits to your dentist, brush all tooth surfaces with Ipana toothpaste at least twice a day. Then, massage gums the way your dentist advises to stimulate gum circulation. That's all. But see the difference Ipana toothpaste can make to your teeth. To your smile. Notice Ipana's wonderful flavor, too. How it leaves your mouth fresher, your breath cleaner. You'll really like Ipana and what it can do for you. So get a tube first chance you get. Remember, a good dentifrice like a good dentist is never a luxury. Make the Ipana way your way to healthier gums, brighter teeth, a more sparkling smile. 
The Ipana Smile, the smile of beauty. Hmm. Well, Finnegan, that's that. Okay, Arch. You owe me three bucks. <laughs> three bucks. Okay, hey, huh? <laughs> Thanks, Arch. Hey, hey. Hey, wait a minute. What? That guy that just came in. I think I seen him in the movies. Ain't that Faye Bainter? <laughs> Finnegan, that's Charles Coburn. Oh! Well, Mr. Coburn, may I tell you that many great stars have passed through these portholes? <laughs> but you are the portliest of them all. And furthermore, may I say that we are indeed pleased... Oh, shut up. <laughs> so this is Duffy's tavern, hmm? Mm-hmm. Where's Duffy? He's home. He's smart. <laughs> You don't like the place? Well, it's sort of broken down and decrepit. But then, who am I to talk? <laughs> That's right. At least you've got a roof over your head. <laughs> By the way, uh, are you keeping busy these days? Oh, yes. My days are quite full. Pictures, radio, personal appearances, looking for work. <laughs> have you been an actor? About 50 years. 50 years. Almost a decade. Huh? <laughs> Look, uh, as long as you brought it up, uh, just how old a man are you? Uh, approaching 65. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me, at an age like that, what do you do for amusement? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I collect antique furniture. Antique furniture. Did you buy these antiques when they was new? <laughs> All except the 18th century stuff. John Quincy Adam outbid me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry I ain't got no antiques to amuse you, but uh, how about a drink? Thank you, I will. Okay, Eddie, uh, three fingers of warm milk. <laughs> uh, would you like something to eat with it, Mr. Coburn? No, thanks. I have to be very careful what I eat. Yeah, what's the matter? Is stomach kicking up? It used to, but it hasn't got uh, the strength anymore. <laughs> All it does now is to squirm a little. <laughs> hey, milk, Miss Colburn. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'll have to take these pills first. Pills, eh? Let me see. Hey, what's them red ones for? My liver. And the green ones? Kidneys. Uh, how about the brown ones? Stomach. Oh, uh, tell me, what's the purple ones for? Just a dash of lavender to round out the color scheme. Say, <laughs> uh, say, Archie. Uh-uh, we're in trouble. <clears throat> I suppose you want an introduction? To him? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm afraid he doesn't appeal to a person of my sex. Archie. Yeah? What sex is that? <laughs> She's a girl. You could have fooled me. Well, we might as well get it over with. McDuffie, this is Charles Coburn. 
How do you do? No. No, I'm sorry, Mr. Coburn, but May can never wed December. <laughs> Miss Duffy, December had no intention of asking you. <laughs> Miss Duffy, can't you see that he ain't interested in you? Oh, no. Did you see the look in his eyes? Forgive me, dear lady. I was carried away by your lovely, ravishing face. I can go along with the gag. <laughs> uh, uh, tell me something, Mr. Coburn. Yes? Do girls go out with you? Ooh, once in a while. How do they explain you to their folks? <laughs> they usually say, Mama, see what I'll have to marry if you don't let me go out with Joe? <laughs> Oh, Mr. Coburn, don't feel too bad. Remember, any girl who'd go out with you isn't worth having anyway. <laughs> Miss Duffy, will you please desist your presence? Me and the gentleman here has some business to discuss. Uh, tell me, Mr. Coburn, uh, how long did you say you've been an actor? Fifty years. Fifty years, huh? Don't you think you ought to settle down to a steady job? <laughs> A steady job. Well, here in Duffy's Tavern. I'd rather marry Miss Duffy. <laughs> the hard way, huh? Look, it happens that we have a very important job open. What kind of a job? We need a front man. A front man? Yeah, and they're just the type, you know. Prosperous looking, well fed, well dressed, business like, perfect phony. <laughs> Well, what do you say? But Archie, a job like that, uh, wouldn't it tie me down? Not too tied down. Take me. I work here, and I wasn't too tied down to do a picture for Paramount. Yes, I saw that picture. Oh, really? What'd you think of it? You should be tied down. <laughs> Mr. Coburn, for a man who is seeking employment, I should think you'd be a little more diplomatic. Uh, I was only fooling, Archie. Oh, really? Yeah. I really enjoyed the picture. Did you? Mm, yes. Especially Dorothy Lamore. In that sarong. Oh. How old did this guy say he was? <laughs> you like that sarong, huh? Yeah, didn't you? Uh, personally, I never gave it a second thought. I, I was too busy with the first thought. <laughs> but what a cast we had in that picture. Remember Bing Crosby? No. He was in it. Uh, remember Betty Hutton? Yes. Remember Victor Moore? No. Remember Veronica Lake? Yes. <laughs> remember Alan Ladd? No. Remember Diana Lynn? Yes. <laughs> Looks like December has moved up a couple of times. Yeah, it was a great cast. We had 34 stars in addition to me. Yes, 34 stars and one eclipse. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello? Oh, hello, Duffy. Uh, no, uh, no, I ain't got him out on the sidewalk yet. Huh? Well, I figure on rainy days we can let him stand inside, you know, next to the cash register. Well, Duffy, we can have him bonded. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
looks up. He does nothing to worry about. He's the, the settled type. You know, not bright enough to steal and too old to run. <laughs> uh, incidentally, how much do you think we should pay him? Duffy, he can make more money than that out of Social Security. <laughs> huh? Okay. <clears throat> Be with you in a second, Mr. Coburn. Uh, Eddie. Duffy says we gotta test the guy's character before we hire him. Character, huh? Yeah, and I agree with him, you know. I won't have nobody around here, Eddie, unless he's honest. There's two things we gotta have. Character and honesty. And we gotta test the guy. How? We'll clip him in a poker game. (laughs) (laughs) That's the sure way to test out a guy's character, you know, to play him poker. What would he win? Then he's fired. We can't have guys around here without characters. <laughs> Did uh, you fellas say you're going to play poker? Oh, yeah. You want to sit in, Joe? No, thanks. I'll just stand around and make suggestions. Everybody's a kibitzer. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Arch, not really. If you happen to have a queen, I'll just casually mention that every queen... Goes for a guy that has that well-groomed Vitalis look. I might even go so far as to say that you can look like a king after a Vitalis 60-second workout. Won't cost you so much jack, either. And you like Vitalis, especially so if you're troubled with dry, unruly hair. Hair that's been dried out by sun, wind, and water. Why, no other hair preparation can give your scalp and hair better protection than Vitalis and the 60-second workout. For the Vitalis formula contains two of the same ingredients that many skin specialists prescribe for dry, flaky scalps, plus all the other extras that make your hair more handsome, more healthy-looking. So try the Vitalis 60-second workout. Let it prevent scalp and hair dryness, rout flaky dandruff, and give you the best-looking, healthiest-looking head of hair you ever had. You'll look your best tomorrow if you get a bottle of Vitalis today. Now, look, fellas, uh, leave us not scare this guy off by mentioning poker right away, you know. I'll lead him up to it gradually, you know, subtle-like. Subtle-like, huh? Yeah. Uh, Oh, Mr. Coburn. uh, Yes? uh, Speaking of baseball, uh, them St. Louis Browns is the best baseball team in St. Louis, don't you think so? No, I like the cards. Speaking of cards... Would you like to indulge in a nice sociable game of, say, uh, Jim Rummy? Well, frankly, I don't know much about cards. A pigeon. (laughs) Uh, You say you don't know much about cards? No, no. About uh, six years ago, I did play a game called uh, poker. Poker, huh? Uh, What kind of a game is that? Well, it's been so long ago, I've forgotten. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, why don't we play again? Maybe it'd come back to us, huh? All right. Uh, if you'll promise to be patient with a greenhorn. <laughs> I'm even greener than you. No, I'm much greener than you. No, I'm a lot greener than you. These <laughs> are the two greenest actors I ever seen. <laughs> I'll get the cards. Fellas, we got a real sucker here. I don't know a thing about poker. The poker! Oh, boy! Poker! Do you play poker? No. <laughs> no, no, I do. I don't, but I got dumb luck. You got any kind of luck at all, that's the kind. 
Now, Finnegan, all you got to remember in yeah. poker is one thing. Yeah. See, don't go into a pot unless you got four of a kind. Four of a kind. That's right. Yeah. Don't go in unless you got four of a kind. Well, okay, okay. Well, Mr. Coburn, uh, what shall we play for? Say, uh, one and two? All right, a hundred and two hundred. <laughs> shall we compromise? <laughs> all right. Two cents and four cents. <laughs> All right, now, uh, let's start the game. Now, go ahead and deal out the cards. Uh, by the way, you do know how to deal, don't you? Well, I used to be able to. Now, let me see. Hmm. Three missing. think we should do? Well, by a very fortunate coincidence, I happen to have a deck of cards right here in my pocket. Oh, really? In your pocket? Uh, how long did you say it was since you played? Six years. This is an old coat. <laughs> mm. I wonder if I'll be able to remember how to play this uh, poker. Yeah, I wonder if I'll remember too. Uh, how are we going to play? Straight poker. Jack's a better, nothing wild. <laughs> Mr. Archie, I got a queer feeling that ain't such an old coat. <laughs> well, let's look at him now. Let's see, now, what have I got? Hmm. 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 I'll open it. I bet uh, four cents. Wait, no, I don't. Leave it there. That's down or dead. <laughs> hmm. uh, are you staying, Eddie? No, I'm dropping out uh, Me too Me too uh, You win the pot, Mr. Coburn Oh, do I win? Yep, take the money Well, this is great fun <laughs> Beginner's luck, I guess Yeah, what'd you have? A pair of bullets I mean, uh, two ones <laughs> You deal next, Daddy. Uh, by the way, Finnegan, what did you drop out with? Oh, nothing. Three kings. <laughs> you dropped out with three kings. Well, you you told me to only go in with four of a kind. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, yeah, well, do that. Just wait till you get four of a kind. Sure. <laughs> well, here's your card, gentlemen. Hmm. 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 Oh, boy! I open it! <laughs> you open it, Finnegan? Yeah, yeah. In that case, I think I'll drop out. <laughs> and me, too. Well, I think I'll stay. Brave boy. <laughs> okay, how many cards you drawn? None. I, uh, I think I'll stand pat. Oh, yeah? Well, I'll stand pat, too. <laughs> Very shrewd poker, Finnegan. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my bet. I raise you. I raise you. I said it fight. <laughs> Finnegan, he's got a right to raise you. This is a democracy. Oh. <laughs> but uh, you can re-raise him. Oh, okay. And I raise, and I re-raise, and I raise, and I... Uh, re-raise you again. I double it. 
Okay, I'll drop out. <laughs> They'll drop out. Why? We ain't got enough dough. Wait a minute. I might thank you if you got what I think you got. Don't worry, Arch. I got them. Got them, huh? Yeah. That's good enough for me. Mr. Coburn, we raise you two. Four. Eight. Sixteen. Thirty-two. Sixty-four. Give me a pencil. <laughs> Ninety-seven. <laughs> what do you got? Ten, jack, queen, king, ace. A straight? That's all? <laughs> Finnegan. Yeah. <laughs> Show your cards. There you are, right? Let's see. <laughs> Ten, four, two, seven. Jack. Finnegan, where's the four of a kind? There they are, four space. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, I thank you very much. Good night. Good night, Mr. Coburn. Uh, hey, wait just a second. Uh, I think this ace belongs to you. It just fell out of your cup. Oh, did it? <laughs> well, you may keep it. I've got a million of them. <laughs> Now we uh, decided not to hire Cobain. Well, uh, we found out his memory was a little better than his character. <laughs> huh? Well, next week, uh, Chester Morris is coming down. We'll try him. Oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, trap shooting or something. <laughs> okay. evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday when our guest will be Chester Morris. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by iPad Toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair. Each Wednesday, Bristol Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Stay tuned for Escape next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Escape on Theater of the Mind. You, finding life Rather dull, dreaming again of exotic places, wishing you were somewhere else, we offer you Escape. Escape, designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Escape with us now to a small fishing boat off the California coast and a night of terror and death at the hands of a brilliant madman as Bud A. Nelson tells it in his exciting story, Seven Hours to Freedom. The Pacific Ocean off the coast of Southern California usually thought of as calm and peaceful, where there's very little danger. But don't take the Pacific for granted, or you'll be writing your name in foam and throwing it into the wind. 
There can be trouble out there. All kinds of trouble. The winter months are the lean ones along the coast. Lou and I scrape the bottom of the barrel to make fuel and stores for my boat, the Merry Widow. Rigging for mackerel is fishing the hard way. You've seen the mackerel fleet sneak up on the coast. Those ghostly cities and lights offshore. Guys like Lou and myself trying to make a payload with lights and stinking chum. Mashed, marinated muck you toss overboard with your bare hands to attract the fish. We were anchored alone west of Point Doom Whistle Boy, about a mile out. It was dark except for the spot we flashed on the water and the flashing of headlights on Highway 101 where it dips down to the shore to get a run for Zuma Grade. There were mackerel around and they were ready. Come on, baby. Up you come. And a boy, Lou. Keep him coming. Right. I'll move the chum out into the light. Hiya, hiya. Come on, kids. Free chow. Good, juicy, chovey face. Come and get it. Oh, boy. They're hot. Hey, Lou. They're swarming into the spot. They work the edges, Lou. Yeah. They're about ready for the net. Oh, look at them. Three or four pounders. Show me a spot, boy. Lay it right in front of me. They're ready for the net. Uh, currents offshore. Drag toward me. Right. He's in tone. Oh, boy. They're hot and heavy. And that's alive. Now, fellow up. Train up. Green dynamite. Come on, kiddies. Come to pop. Oh. Uh, beauties. Good boy, Lou. He can come and swamp us. <laughs> That's the way it works, if you hit it. You forget the smell, the scum, the numbness in your hands, the icy water in your boots. You forget you're heaving 30 to 50 pounds on the end of an eight-foot pole. And you see dollars pile up on the bin boards on your deck. You forget everything around you until... They're gone. You notice that there is a world around you. Uh. <sighs> There they go. School's out. Uh, two tons at least. Yeah. Ah, uh, looks like another wreck on Zuma Grade. Yeah. Look at the headlights. People just can't pass up an accident. Must be a pretty bad one. I'll take a boat any day. Yeah, let's get out of here. We can make it back in time for job. Yeah. Six fried eggs, seasoned with Tabasco sauce, bowl of chili, and a pot of black coffee. Sounds good to me. Boy, that stuff sure gets cold. Yeah. Hey, get the anchor. Let's get out of here. Fire up. I'm for it. Okay. Run up on it. Get in. What's the matter? Anchor's bowed. Want to back down on it? Feels like rock. Uh, take a turn on the cleat. Let the swell break it loose. Hey, she's really caught fast. Uh, wait a minute, Lou. Give me some slack. I'll back off. What's wrong? I don't know. Uh, come here. What's up? Look. 
company. Yeah. What the devil are those guys doing out here in a little rowboat at this hour? They're either drunk or crazy. They're sport fishermen. I don't see any tackle. Ahoy there! Wait! Please wait! Oh, they're in trouble. Look. Guy in the stern. Hunched over. Hey, get the boat hook, Lou. I'll rig a pendant. The tide's doing more good than the oars are. These boys aren't seamen. Ah. Watch the roll when he pulls you alongside. Uh, you in the bow, catch the rack. Hold yourself off. Hold it on, Jake. We have an injured man here. Lend a hand. Yeah, sure. Tell get aboard. Ellis, help Stacy. Help him. Ed, wait. Give me your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Now, my injured friend. Uh, you and a skip. Yeah. Hand him to me. Yeah. Now, right here. Uh, lift him as high as you can. Now, now, slip your hand out. Okay. Yeah, got him. Now, Lou, open the hatch to the cabin. Right. Now, move that gear off the bunk. Unfortunate thing. Very unfortunate. Now, hand me the first aid kit. Now, on the bulkhead behind you. Completely unnecessary. Efficient shooting, wouldn't you say? Perilously near the heart. Yeah. Fatally near. Here, put the kit back. It's too late. How'd this happen? Loaded gun. <laughs> yes. Loaded gun in expert hands. This may be pretty funny to you, mister, but I don't think it'll go over very big with the police. The police? No, I suppose not. Poor Stacy, his fourth and final loss. Look, mister, what's the story? Oh, that's right. <laughs> you came in at the end. Uh, but first... What? What's a gun for? Your protection and mine. Forgive me, young man, for pointing this at you. I use it only to establish command. Outside. Go on. Burke, I'm getting pretty sick of your fancy yapping and no action. Yeah, mastermind, you got us into this? Now come up with a way out. My friends despise me, Captain. Look at them. Young Ellis. Shut up, Burke. I warned you. He's a coward, a thief, and a murderer who fancies himself equal to any known knife artist. You know I'll kill you, don't you, Burke? If it's the last thing I do, I'll cut that fat off of you. It will be the last thing you do, Ellis. And Dowd there. He killed two men, wasn't it, Dowd? Two defenseless men. Feed on, you greasy slob. You're digging your grave with your tongue. And Stacy. Poor dead Stacy. Keep talking, Burke. Keep flapping your big mouth while the law sets up another trap. Why don't we get rid of these two punks and get moving? Yeah, give me that gun, Burke. You ain't got the guts to do nothing. You're all talk. Give me that gun. Stay right where you are, Ellis. You two, Dowd. I supplied the intelligence that saw us this far... And I really don't need you anymore. Sit down. Both of you sit down right by that tank. Yeah, yellow. Burke, clean, dirty yellow. Make me sit down. Go on, Burke. Make me sit down. 
I don't want to have to fire this gun. Sound carries over water. Talk, big Burke, while you've got the gun. The only gun down. That highway is swarming with police cars now. They're saying dead or alive. The choice is up to you. Make one move toward me or these fishermen, and I make the choice. You make that choice. You chose to lead us into a trap because you didn't have the guts to shoot a measly highway cop. You got Stacy shot. You wrecked the car. Then you nearly drowned us in that leaky rowboat. You can thank me in that leaky rowboat that you're alive right now. I feel very kindly toward that rowboat. Pull it aboard. Go on, pull it aboard. You two may need it. One false move and you'll find yourselves adrift. Captain, get the anchor up. Take in what slack we can get, Lou. Line parts and parts. Set your course by this pistol, Captain. Our destination is Mexico. Good work, I A word of warning, Captain. I seem to stand low. These fools I took through prison walls have turned against me. But I still have a pistol. How far is the international border? Seven, eight hours. I prefer seven. Seven hours to freedom. My freedom. And seven hours for us to consider your fate. You can start out to count the laughs in the Red Skelton Show, but you'll wind up laughing so hard yourself, you lose the count. No question about it, Red Skelton is a very funny man with a very funny show. And this fall, you hear Red Skelton every Sunday evening on CBS. Rated to top comedian, Skelton has a special form of humor, a unique brand of madcap hilarity that leaves him gasping. You'll have a grand time. It's entertainment at its best. Be sure to listen to the Red Skelton Show every Sunday evening over most of these same CBS stations. And now, we return you to Escape. Dawn broke with a Los Angeles harbor light well on our stern. Mary Widow's bow pointed at Mexican waters and the pistol in Burke's fat hand setting the course. The morning was foggy. Other things were clear. Someone along Zuma Beach would find their rowboat missing. We had a dead man in the cabin, and the lives of Lou and I hung on the whim of a fat maniac. Our only hope was a radio. I switched the frequency to Coast Guard, tripped the mic to transmit, and hoped that someone would be listening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's more pleasant up here on the bridge, Captain. The cabin is somewhat stuffy. What's your master plan for the body? Loathsome things, dead man. Much as I'd like to dispose of it, we can't risk cluttering our trail. Let us hope there will be no more. 
That needn't be, you know, if you cooperate. Yeah. Yeah, the Merry Widow's at your disposal, Mr. Burt. As long as you hold that gun on the crew, there's no choice but to take you to Mexico. We don't have too far to go. We're just about due west of Long Beach, making 18 knots. You are unduly nervous, Captain. Is it the pistol? <laughs> Look at our friends huddled together down there in the stern. <laughs> uh, planning my assassination, and no doubt yours. You understand the situation, don't you? No. Then I'll tell you. This gun and I are your buffers. Your guardians against the plotters back there. In exchange for this protection, you give me transportation. In a few hours, I will be a free man and I shall go my way alone. Maybe. Radio. The radio. I underestimated you, Captain. Very clever. Well, I tried. I assume I've been broadcasting for some time. You have. Direct the United States Coast Guard. I bow to you. How stupid of me. And you. Up to this point, you've shown some intelligence. These heroics give me no choice. All right, go ahead and shoot. You'll pile into rocks before you hit San Diego. You'll never see Mexico. Lose no pilot, none of you are. You're right. You are still useful. Resume your course. Look, Burke, you're supposed to be the brains of the outfit. If you're even half smart, you'll get in that skiff and head for shore. You better not be on this boat when the Coast Guard catches up with us. If you are a religious man, Captain, I would suggest that you pray they don't catch up with us. Look, mister, my advice to you is to launch that skiff and hit for the beach. You're a fool, Captain. Until your little stratagem shows tangible results, I wait. And you live. Resume your course. Newport Harbor bore off our bow, swung a beam, and slid past the stern. With it went my hopes of help from the Coast Guard out of Newport. No more stations now until San Diego. At the foot of San Clemente's red tile roofs, I saw a Santa Fe streamliner rushing north towards Los Angeles. I wished I was on it and headed in the same direction. How far are we from the border, Captain? Uh, five, six hours. Good. If the Coast Guard heard your radio, they don't seem to be rushing to your rescue. Ha! Take another look, Burke. Get ahead and bear him down. Hold your course. Don't try to attract them or you die right where you stand. You, low. Yeah? Stay where you are. Hold your course, Captain. Mister, that's a Coast Guard picket boat. They got guns. Ellis, down. Stand up and wave. Make it look friendly. Don't overdo it. You, Captain, wave too. Wave, wave. <laughs> Look at the fools. The friendly fools waving back. We're just friendly fishermen. They didn't even cut their speed. Two herringbone wakes met, merged playfully, overlapped, and faded. With them went my hopes of help from outside. Our only chance now is to get Burke's gun. The fish knives. But they were back on the cleaning chute, neatly racked. I turned to look. Gone. Three knives gone. My hand rested on the clutch lever, cast bronze, complete with grip and detachable. I had to get that gun. I tripped the key that locked the lever and... 
Come here. I want to talk to you. Got a deal. I've been expecting this. They're ready to cooperate. You, Lou, down the ladder. Just in case our good captain entertains any rash notions, you will be our hostage. Go ahead. Happy to oblige. Step right back to the little group, I watched helplessly while Lou led the way aft where two criminals sat, backs to the bait tank. They rose as Burke lurched toward them against every roll and pitch of the boat. Ellis suddenly stepped between Lou and Burke. The pistol roared harmlessly. Burke slumped balloon-like as Dowd tore the pistol from his hand. Ellis, knife in hand, kept slashing. Enough, Ellis! Lay off! Lay off, I said! Give me that knife! Give me a knife! Did I cut him the fat slob? He didn't believe me, eh? Look at him! Blubber! Blood and blubber! Come on, Lou! Up that ladder there to your buddy! Go on! Yes, sir. Sit down there and stay put. You, Buster, keep this thing moving. Which way? Like Burke said, Mexico. As long as we come this far, we go all the way. Driving closer to shore. How close? I'll tell you how close. Hey, now, wait a minute. I'll pick out a spot to beach the skip. Then we'll move back outside the three-mile limit until dark so that Mexican patrols can't find us. Ain't that nice. In the dark, I move in as close to shore as I can, and you go ashore in the skip, and I head back up the coast. Just like that, huh? Well, Buster, you better pick a good spot to make a landing, because you're going in with us. Going in with you? What about this boat? Leave it. The Mexican authorities... You're gonna drive this boat right up on the beach. That's what, right up on the beach. Wreck it? Look, Dowd, we draw close to ten feet of water. We'll ground a city block offshore. So what? I can swim. Got nothing to worry about. You ain't gonna need this tub no more. Look, look, Dowd. If we beach this boat, we mark the spot where you go ashore. But put in by skip and you won't attract any attention. My radio shot. It's a it's two hours run back to San Diego. I can't holler anything that'll hurt you. It ain't two hours to Mexican cops. I can't go to Mexican cops. I haven't got a clearance. I'm not going to put into a Mexican port and have my boat impounded, am I? I told you how it's going to be. As soon as the Mexican authorities find this boat with bodies on board, they'll know you boys are over the border and how you got there. Hmm? Well, maybe you got something. Now, I'll talk it over with Ellis. Don't try no... Lou. Yeah. I'm going to fake engine trouble. The master switch. One of us has to get down to the engines. The short hose on the manifold cooling system. Port engine side, salt water intake. Yeah? It's our only chance. Disconnect it. Foul the bilge pump screen. Flood the bilges? Yeah. We risk fire, but it's our only chance to frighten them guys into the skip. Cut it. He's coming back. That's the way it's going to be. How? Like I said first. Pile it on a beach. Now, let's go. Oh, okay. Hey, what's the matter? Are you okay up there, Doug? Well, no. She just quit. Now, we've been beating these engines. She's hot. Get it going. I'll have to get at the engines down below. Oh, no, you don't. Step on the starter. Come on, try it. It's hot, I tell you. 180 degrees. 
Try to look for yourself. It's 40 degrees too hot. Well, what does that mean? It means I got to... No, you out. don't. Who? You know what to do? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, check the oil filter first and the screen ahead of the pump. Uh, wait a minute, you. Okay. Try it again first. Go on. It's no use. The trouble's down the engine room. Go on, Lou. Hey, Alice. Yep. Get out of the hole with this guy. Keep an eye on him. Okay, sure. salt water that should be flowing through the water jackets of two big exhaust pipes pouring into the bilges, and two red-hot manifolds absorbing all the heat of the two big engines. I took a sight on the hull. Chine line, two feet above water. Bilge pumps sucking nothing but air. Ten minutes, riding six inches lower. Half hour, one foot down. Three quarters of an hour, 18 inches lower, Water would be climbing up to drown out the batteries. Exhaust pipes, white hot. I yanked the release on the CO2 system. White clouds sizzled up from below. Fire! Fire, we're sinking! Bilges of water! Coming fast with balloons! What do we do, Captain? Get the skiff over the side before she explodes. Fire extinguisher, Lou! Cover me, I'm going below. Get the skiff over! Don't stand there, Doc! Down there, Jeff. Rats left us. I'll be right up. Whew. We nearly overdid it. Wood was smoldering. It's on me. Battery's wet. Inch to go. Oof. Boy, that manifold was hot. Nearly didn't make it. Look at our friends beat water. Yeah, this proves the story about rats and sinking ships. Yeah, come on, Lou. Up on the bridge. Watch their faces now. Hey, uh, did you drop the bilge pump back in the well? No, we need that water in the bilges. Boy, we throw awake like a little Queen Mary. Turning up 2,800. Uh, still a little hot. I'm on 3,000. Behind us. We're throwing a weight like a destroyer. Come on, baby. A big, big bird. 3,000. Turn. Come on around. That's a nice, tight circle. Rock. What are you going to do? Crash him? Ah. And the last, sew him with our weight. Oh, we let Chop hit their skiff from four sides. 
You think they're in a southeaster? Look at Dowd. Trying to get a feed on us. He's head. There they go. Capsize. That's just what I wanted. Yeah. But they're hanging on to the keel of the boat. All right. Let them take wood for about half an hour. Brother, that water's cold. <laughs> you should know. Hey, let's see if Dowd's still got a gun. I can't tell. Looks like he... He has. But he won't have for very long. His hands will get so numb, you think they're sawed off. Uh, set the bills, Pump Lou. We light the ship while we wait. Oh, and on your way back, uh, break out that bottle of Johnny Walker. Huh? Might as well enjoy ourselves now that we got them guys where we want them. I wonder about prices, Lou. Mackerel? Forty-two bucks. No, no, I didn't mean that. I meant bounty. Reward. The state of California owes us quite a little dough. Mileage. Two ton of spoiled mackerel. One radio transmitter. Four escaped convicts. Two of them on ice. Well, get the boat hook, Lou. Two live ones are ready for the gaff. Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Today we have brought you Seven Hours to Freedom by Bud A. Nelson, with Jack Moyle starred as Jeff. Featured in the cast were Stan Waxman, Jack Crucian, Barney Phillips, and Lou Krugman. The special music for Escape was arranged and played by Ivan Dittmars. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Fibber McGee and Molly, followed by Inner Sanctum. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.